Well, good morning, church. Let's stand together. Can we do me a favor? Will you turn to your neighbor and just welcome them to church this morning? It's cold out. It was supposed to be warm, so I wore a palm tree shirt for you. Get you in the right mood. As we approach Easter, we're going to sing some Easter songs. Focus on the death, burial, and resurrection. So we're going to sing that this morning.
Jesus paid it all. You know, sing it. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Come on, one more time. Jesus paid it all. So 
rise Day and night, night and day Let incense rise Day and night, night and day Let incense rise Day and night, night and day Let Come on, day and night Day and night, night and day Let incense arise Day and night, night and day our cares on the Lord. So I call you right now, wherever you are, in this building or online, to lay it all at the feet of Jesus. He's already paid for it. We worship you. You're worthy. Praise and honor and glory. Sing day and night. Worthy of it 
Bless the name of the Lord this morning. Just sing it out. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about who's around you. Just bless the name of the Lord this morning. Oh, you're worthy. Oh, Jesus, you're worthy. Yes, you're I know it doesn't feel like it, but uh, how many people know that spring is almost here? Spring is here. Uh, it didn't feel like it this morning or when you saw those snowflakes flying around. Um, but uh, we've already got schools on spring break. And, uh, and, but with spring, we know that that means Easter is right around the corner. Uh, in three weeks from this Sunday, we'll be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And um, so what I'm asking and uh, what we're asking you to do is uh, there's a survey that says that, that 86% per of people who come to church, they come because of a personal invite. Uh, I mean, we spend a lot of time and effort on social media and, and you know, uh, all of these different things and types of invites, uh, but 86% of people who come to church come because they were invited personally. And uh, so what we're asking you to do is over the next three weeks uh, to start thinking about and, and, and begin asking uh, people to come to church. Now, I'm not talking about just, you know, in passing. Uh, I, I'm talking about make some effort uh, to intentionally invite people who God has placed in your path. Uh, we're trying to make that easier for you. Uh, when you leave here today, uh, they'll be in the lobby and they'll be giving out uh, invite cards. And it's just a simple uh, business card that, that invites someone to come to Easter Sunday with you. And uh, what that means is, is, I'm not talking about leave it on your table, you know, when... Um, for your server, uh, especially the way some of you act at restaurants. Please don't do that. Um, 
But uh, I'm talking about actually uh, making and investing and asking someone to come with you. Tell them you'll pick them up. Tell them uh, what service you're coming to, the 9.30 or the 11.15. Tell them that uh, you'll take them to lunch. Whatever it takes. No sacrifice is too big when it comes to someone going from death to life. And that's what resurrection is all about. Uh, So uh, be sure and help us out with that. And and I believe that uh, God has something to do. We're going to start a series that Sunday called I Am Jesus. And we're going to talk about the seven things. Jesus actually said seven I am's in the book of John. We're going to talk about four of those. And uh, the first one's going to be I am the resurrection and the life. And uh, perfect for uh, Easter Sunday morning. Uh, So what I want to do right now is I want to uh, just go before the Lord in prayer. And, and we're going to ask God, we believe uh, that, that we can be spirit-filled and spirit-led. In other words, we believe that, that God can, can lead and direct and guide us uh, to where we need to go and who we need to talk to. And so we're going to pray that over these next three weeks that God will place in your heart that person, place on your mind that person, place in your path that person who is looking to go from death to life. And uh, as we do that, and as we're very sensitive to the Spirit, I believe that you will see that God will make it apparent to you who it is that that you need to be asking and to get them here on that Sunday morning. Father, I come before you today. Father, I'm so thankful, honored, and privileged to be able to stand in this place with this great group of people. God, I pray that as uh, as we approach uh, the day that uh, we celebrate the resurrection of your Son, Jesus, God, that you will help lead, guide, and direct us through your Holy Spirit. God, that we will uh, be your voice, be your hands, be your feet, uh, to reach out to someone who you place in our path. God, may we be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know that, uh, God, that you have put people there. God, for a reason and for a purpose. And may we be that instrument that that will get them uh, to this place where they can hear about the good news that you have for us. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear guests, we want to thank you for being here. Uh, we are uh, excited that uh, that you chose to be with us and worship God with us on this Sunday morning. There's a uh, for everyone. There's a QR code on the back of your uh, pew and the pew in front of you, and you can take out your phone, and you can scan that code, and it will take you to the Gateway Church lobby, and from there, if you're a guest, you can let us know that you're here. If you're a regular, you can check in, you can give, you can do prayer requests. Uh, Anything that you would normally do in a lobby, you can do it from that website. Uh, So be sure and let us know uh, what's going on in your life, and uh, if you're a guest, we want you to know that um, we are in a seven-part series uh, that we've been talking about, and this series will take us up to Palm Sunday. 
Uh, we are in week five. Over the past four weeks, we have been looking at uh, some words of Jesus. So often when we look at uh, the Bible, we look for the, the letters that are in red. And we read those and we think, okay, these are words we can live by. But so often, once Jesus gets to the cross, we think, okay, that's the end. Uh, you know, he's on the cross to, to pay for the transgression, for our transgressions. He's there to pay for our sin. And, and a lot of times we overlook the seven things that he said while he was hanging on the cross. And in those seven statements, I believe that there's something in each of those that we can learn from. Uh, being a Christian means that, that we are trying to be Christ-like. And there's no better way to imitate someone than to look at their life. Uh, we can look at, at how they react in certain situations. And we can look at the way that Jesus reacted in the situation in the middle of this bad day. Uh, we can look at how he handled the things that he come up against. Uh, our um, verse for this series is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, when it says, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So the five words there says, study how he did it. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been looking at these seven statements and taking them as words that we can live by. We, Jesus is there, and he's hanging on the cross. He's paying for the crimes that he didn't commit. And so Jesus is there, and, and he's looking at, and he's thinking about all these people that are around him doing and crucifying him. And so we begin to, to look at that, and, and Jesus, the very first thing he did, all of these people accusing him, humiliating him, he looks at his father and he says, forgive them. And we believe that, that he did that because he would not have been able to accomplish what it was that he was called to accomplish if he would have had hatred and bitterness in his heart. And so after he asked them to forgive them, he's there hanging in the middle of these two people. And while he's hanging there, one of them speaks up and says to Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And in all of his pain, all of his suffering, Jesus responds to him and he says this, he says, assuredly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, he says, if there's one thing that I know, in the middle of your bad day, I'm going to walk with you. In the middle of your bad day, even though I'm struggling as well. And then Jesus, after he assures this man that he's going to walk with him in the midst of his trouble, he looks at the foot of the cross. And there's people that's gathered around the foot of the cross. They've put their life in risk. Followers of Jesus, family of Jesus. There were a few of them that came to the cross. And he's sitting there. And, and he's hanging. And he looks out and he sees Mary, his mother. And he sees John, the disciple that he loves. And he looks at them. And basically he says, you guys need each other. 
You guys need to take care of each other. So in the middle of his pain, he's concerned for those who are closest to him. And then in that moment when you think things could get no worse, he's hanging there and, and the Bible says that that darkness fell. So now not only is he hanging on the cross, but all of a sudden it becomes dark. Just in the moment that, that you would think that things couldn't get any worse and they did. And in the darkness, Jesus cried out to God. And in that moment, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? With that statement, I believe that Jesus is giving us permission to aim our hard questions at God and not man. Because there's going to be times that the doctor or the pastor or your best friend or your family member, they don't have the answer. But in this moment, Jesus says, it's okay to aim your hard questions at God. He's not offended by them. He's not intimidated by them. And when he said that, that was probably the most human thing that he ever said. And so today we're going to look at the fifth statement. It's found in John chapter 19, verse 28 and 29. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on the hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Two words there that Jesus said. He said, I thirst. And in that statement, we see that Jesus, the Son of God, admitted in that moment that he had a need. And it allows us to know that, that there's none of us here that are so self-sufficient that we don't need help. There's none of us here that are strong enough to make it through a bad day or through a bad season without asking for help. Jesus is teaching us in this moment that we need to be human enough to acknowledge your need. You have to be human enough to acknowledge your need. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad season. But in that moment when we're having those, it's human nature to admit, it's human nature to not be willing to admit that we need help because it's not how we're wired. I believe this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We know that, that Adam and Eve were created and then the Bible says that, they, that God would come down and walk with them in the cool of the evening. And then they made a mistake. They messed up. Something that we all can relate to. And when they made this mistake, the Bible says that God comes down, but he can't find them. And he says, Adam, where are you? And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, Adam responds this way. He says, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. In this, we can see the progression. Adam and Eve made a mistake. And because of that mistake, fear sets in. And when fear sets in, then they go and they hide. It's a progression of what happens when we make mistakes or have difficult days. We mess up, and then when we mess up, fear sets in. 
We all have fears that we struggle with. I have some fears in my life that, that up until this day, I'm 48 years old. I had to think about it. There's some fears that I have that I don't think will ever go away. Uh, one of them are snakes. How many people would say that, that maybe you've seen someone take a picture of a snake and put it on Facebook and, and say, you know, what kind of snake is this? And you've responded under it and says, oh, that's a good snake. Anybody ever did that? Anybody ever saw a snake and said, well, that's a good snake because it takes care of this and it does that? It's a lie. I believe that God gave us from the very beginning that creature that, that caused sin. Snakes are bad. The only good snake are one that's chopped up in about 37 pieces. I don't like snakes. We had one show up actually on our front porch after we'd first moved into the house we're in. And I saw it. And I went and hid. And then I sent Christy a text message that said, there's a snake on the front porch. And the next thing I know, she's out there with a shovel. I don't like snakes. I don't like worms. Reese, you'll see, you'll see a, you know, a worm after it's rained and worms are crawling. And she's like, oh, it's so cute. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's slimy and it's nasty. People want me to go fishing and I've never been fishing. Part of the reason is because I cannot imagine taking a, a, a worm and sticking a hook through it. That's disgusting. It makes me cringe. And then people say, well, you just use that fake bait. I don't know what it's called. And then I think, well, what am I going to do if I catch a fish? Because when it comes out, I've got to do something with it. And I've seen those people. You, you go down to the pier at the beach, and, and they're fishing, and they pull those things in and they pull out this big machete knife and they just start chopping it up into pieces. That's, that's disgusting. I have a fear of it. If you didn't know it, you know now I'm not a fan of the outdoors. But I've had people tell me, if you could just get past that fear, if you could just get past the, the fear of worms and fish, you would love fishing. But the reality is, is that it's a fear that I'm trapped in. And we all have fears in our life that, uh, that keep us from doing the things that we need to be doing. We have fears in our life that keep us from, from reaching out to others when we need help. A few of the fears that seem to creep up in our lives keep us from reaching out is First of all, the fear of being hurt. If you are here today and you are breathing, you have been hurt. Sometimes it's by a friend. Sometimes it could be by family. But regardless of who does it, you've been hurt. And so what happens is, is, is once we've become hurt, instead of getting close to people, Instead of telling people and acknowledging what we're going through in our need, we put on a mask. We put on a mask because we don't want to be hurt. 
And we've come to, to the, the realization of, of thinking that everyone will hurt us just like we were hurt before. But you can't live and stay in that state. You can't live your life that way. In Psalm chapter 32, David said, When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. and My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. Verse 5 says, Then I let it all out. And I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. And suddenly, the pressure was gone. David said, I, I was keeping it all inside. And because I was keeping it locked in, it was destroying me from the inside out. But then there came that moment. There came that time that I said, you know what? I'm going to let it all out. All my mistakes, all my shortcomings, all my needs, I, I'm going to let them out. And it says, when he did that, suddenly the pressure was gone. We can't allow the fear of being hurt. We can't allow the, the fear of the same thing always happening. You know, you get close to someone and, and then they let you down. And so then you come into church and how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, everything's awesome. Because you don't want to get hurt. Secondly, the fear of being rejected. No one likes being rejected. How many can remember the first time that you asked someone out on a date? Anybody, can, can you remember that? Come on. How many can remember the first time you asked somebody out on a date and they said no? Now, some of you are sitting here saying, oh, it never happened to me. You don't know who I am. You've asked somebody out and, and, and they've told you no. Well, if that hasn't happened to you, what about that, that, that first time? You know, you go to the, the register at one of the department stores. And they say, hey, you can save, you know, 35% if you fill out this credit application. And they're more than happy to let you save 35% on the little bit of stuff that you have because they know that in the end they're going to get that 35% back and a whole lot more. So you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know, you know, what my credit's like. I haven't checked my credit score. And, but that 35%, it's just, it's drawing at you. So you fill out that application. They say it only takes two or three minutes, but the line behind you is backed all the way up. Everybody knows that you're filling out that credit application. And then they look at you and say, sorry, sir, you weren't approved. It stings. The feel of being rejected because you know that everybody in the line behind you just knows that you don't pay your bills. <laughs> but when we're rejected, we take it personal. It, it chips away from us. It keeps us from believing in people. And so then what happens is, is that we fight that rejection by doing whatever it takes to be accepted. 
If you're a parent, it may be one of your, your biggest teaching points to your kids. You don't have to do it just because everyone else is doing it. Or maybe you put it this way. If, if they jumped off a bridge, are you going to jump with them? My parents asked me that one time and I was a smart and He said, yeah, probably. But the natural thing is for us to, to seek acceptance after we've been rejected or to keep from being rejected. We all want to be accepted. A, a study shows that 89% of those people on social media admit that their social media, the likes that they get on social media determine their happiness. 40% of those people who said that said that their happiness will only stay or remain if the people continue to like or to follow them. You've been there. Somebody brings up somebody that you were friends with on Facebook and, you know, did you see what happened to so-and-so? And you say, it didn't come up on mine. So then you go and look and you find out that they've unfriended you. Just runs right through you, doesn't it? Well, I wonder why they did that. Why? Because you don't like being rejected. Can I tell you that studies show that 70% of people only like your post or your picture because they know it will make you feel good? So in other words, we really don't like your picture. We really don't care what you had for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or midnight snack. But we're going to click like just simply because we want you to feel good because we know that's how people are. People crave acceptance. There was a group of people that lived that way back in the day of Jesus. In the book of John, chapter 12, verse 43, it says, For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Can I tell you that that's a trap of the enemy? It's a trap of the enemy. It's a trap of the enemy to always crave the acceptance of people. David put it this way in Psalm chapter 139, verse 14. When he said... Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. In that moment, David was saying, you know what? I don't care what people think about me. I don't care that whether they accept me or not, because I understand what God thinks about me. He said, God, your workmanship is marvelous. You have made me to be exactly who you want me to be in you. So I don't have to have the acceptance or the approval of others. I don't have to fear rejection. The third thing that we fear is the fear of being exposed. There's times that we sit and we, we have this thought. If they only knew, what would they think? And then the enemy comes alongside you and says, yeah, if they really knew you, they wouldn't like you. 
If they really knew what was going on, it's a lie of the enemy. And so what happens is, is when we begin having these thoughts, we begin to, to spend more time. We begin to, to work harder at covering it up, at pretending. And we work harder at pretending than we do at getting better. Our energy and our time and our effort is spent hiding and, and putting on this mask. You might be here today or listening today and you're just physically and emotionally tired. You're exhausted. And the reason that you're tired and exhausted is because you've been spending so much energy pretending. And just to take a little pressure off of you today, can I tell you that we're all messed up? The person on your right, the person on your left, it may look like that, that they have a halo above their head, but they're messed up too. And what we've done here at Gateway is we've tried to create a church atmosphere where you can be real. There's nothing worse than walking into a place and having to pretend to be something that you're not. We want this to be a place where you can take your mask off. We want this to, to, to be a place when somebody asks you how you're doing, that you give a real answer and not a rehearsed one. In between services, I had someone come up to me and say, how are you doing? And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I'm doing good. And then the next thing that comes to my mind is, is you liar. You just stood up there and preached to people for 30 minutes about how they needed to be real. And your morning has been horrible. You know, when you get my age, you begin to get pains and aches. And you don't even know, you know, just from sleeping. And I've had a pain in my neck and in my shoulder since Tuesday. And this morning when I got up, it brought me to tears. My wife's had to help me get dressed. They've had to help me put my microphone on. I'm standing up here looking on you know, my arm. You notice I'm not moving it a whole lot. Got here late and the computer that runs our notes was locked up. It took 40 minutes for Windows 10 to do all its updates. Had to go get another computer, brought it up, hooked it up. Two minutes before church started, the other laptop finally came up. I got up to preach. My notes wouldn't work. So I'm standing over here by the table. No, it's not been a good morning. So I looked back at the person and said, I'm lying, it's bad. But we want that to be what this church is like. Because it's, it's really easy to get in the habit of telling everyone all the time that everything's okay. But in order for us to, to, to be and, and to have that in our lives, there's, there's three things that you need to be able to do. Three things that I believe will help you in your day-to-day -day life to have the courage and the ability to acknowledge when you're in need. The first thing you need to do is you need to establish your group. You need a group of people around you. 
You're going to have those moments in life where you need people. God never intended us to do life alone. And this is never more apparent than when tragedy strikes your life. The last two weeks, I shared a couple of personal stories, one about the passing of my mom, one about a failed adoption that happened in our life. And I can stand here and tell you that if it weren't for the group of people, if I had, did not have an established group of people around us, I don't know what we would have done. If I didn't have that shoulder to cry on, those people that came running to our side that said, what can we do? that knew we were hurting, that we were able to say and tell exactly how we felt. Listen, there are days that we all are going to need a shoulder to cry on. There are days that, that we're going to need someone with a listening ear. There's days that, that I'm going through that I need someone to be there that I can reach out to or someone to reach out to me. We all need that support. And can I tell you that, that when you're having that bad day or that bad season, the best thing that you can do is get your group together. The best thing you can do is hang out together. Now you're sitting there thinking, when I'm having a bad day or a bad season, the last thing I want to do is be around a group of people. And can I tell you that's exactly the way the enemy wants you to live. But when you've established a group of people around you, the very first thing that you'll want to do if you've done it right is you'll want to run to that group. I shared not too long ago that I was with someone on a, a Sunday and their loved one had passed away while I was there. And I was shaken to my core, just to be honest. And I had a life group at 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings. I didn't want to go home and hide. I didn't want to go home and isolate myself. No, I wanted to get to where my group was. I wanted to be able to walk in. And when I walked in, they were able to look at me immediately and say, what's wrong? Because I didn't have to fake it. I had an established group. The enemy wants you to isolate yourself. But when you have a group in that environment, you will find stability. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 through 22 says this, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. The picture there in the Greek that is painted is, is the picture of two door hinges coming together. That's what we want here at Gateway. And we do that through our life groups. Establish a group. Establish a group. The second thing that you need to do is you need to start a growth plan. Start a growth plan. Growth doesn't just happen. God strategically puts you in places and he strategically puts people around you to help you grow. Because not only can you not do life alone, you can't grow alone. 
when you really take a moment and you begin to, to look at the people around you, can I tell you that the people that you surround yourself are helping you grow whether you know it or not? Some of you had good people around you and they're, they're teaching you and you're learning what you need to do. Other people have people around you and they're teaching you what you shouldn't do. But regardless of the group that's around you, you are constantly learning. Some of you have crazy people around you. Don't look at the person sitting beside you. But if you've got crazy people around you, you know God could be showing you how not to be crazy. You ever looked at somebody and said, man, I hope I'm never like that. You're growing. You're learning. But the best way to grow in your life is to get around people who have what you want or what you need. If your marriage is struggling, don't hang out with someone else whose marriage is struggling. No, if your marriage is struggling, you need to get around a couple who have a strong marriage. If you're struggling in your finances, don't hang out with someone who is struggling in their finances. Because they'll tell you, I'll just go ahead and buy it. Put it on that credit card, it'll be all right. No, you want to get with someone who's flourishing in that area. If your kids are crazy and off the chain, you need to get with someone who seem like their kids are doing okay. And then you need to ask questions. You need to learn. You need to grow. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It says He puts the whole body together. And when that body comes together correctly, it helps us grow. That's how you do it. You need to establish and enact a growth plan. This is what I'm going to do in my life to grow. And it's something that it doesn't have to wait. It can start right now. The third thing that we need to be able to do, and the last thing that we need to be able to do, and this is probably the hardest, is we need to embrace being loved. Embrace being loved. We need this. Listen, all of us have made mistakes. All of us have done things that we regret. There's probably people sitting here today that you did some things that you regretted this morning. And then what happens is, is, is that when we have these things either in our past or that are currently going on that we regret, we start having these bad conversations in our head because we don't like who we are. Anybody talk to yourself? They always say it's okay to talk to yourself, but until you start answering yourself. Then I had somebody after first service tell me that they talk to themselves and they answer themselves because they want to have an intelligent conversation. But you start having these bad conversations in your head. You don't like who you are. 
And then the enemy shows up and he tells you that you're not a good person, that you don't deserve love, that you don't deserve God's love and that you don't deserve the love of the people around you. And so then everyone just starts to pile on. And we get this idea that, that we, we can't be loved. And so we keep pretending. We keep pretending because we're afraid of being hurt. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being exposed. We're afraid if people really know who we are that they won't like us. And all along, there are people that are walking with us and, and beside us that are wanting to show you unconditional love. This church is a, is a place for people who've messed up. This church is a place, and the reason that we're here is because we want to change. We want to grow together. We want things to be different than the status quo. We want this to be a place where we show the same unconditional love that God shows us. And it's so hard for some of us to embrace. It's so hard for us to embrace or to understand that in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our mess ups, that God still loves us. It's so hard for us to understand that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. Because unconditional love is not normal and it's not rare. It is rare. Because most people's love have conditions. But we want this to be a church where you understand and realize that there's no strings attached. That we love God and that we love people. And more importantly, we want you to know that there's no strings attached with God's love. When we mess up, we have to be able to see that we can be loved. The Bible calls the church a family. And a family is supposed to be a place where you can be real. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, You're a member of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. There's one thing that I tell my daughter all the time. And say, Reese, there's nothing that you can do that will ever make me stop loving you. So you don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. You can be real. And as a church, we want to be the kind of church that says, you're just like family. And there's nothing that you can ever do to keep us and make us stop loving you. 
And we want you to know that there's a God that says there's nothing that you could ever do to make him stop loving you. You belong here. When this church was started over 15 years ago, it was started out of the idea that there were so many people out there who were trying to, to, to find a church. They were trying to find a, a community of people. But they didn't feel like they fit in anywhere. And so when we started this, it was Gateway Church, a place for you. A place for everyone. Some of you are struggling it's sometimes a struggle just to, to, to get involved in, in life groups or to come on a Sunday morning because you don't feel like you belong. And there's something that, that you need to hear. Something that, that you need to write down, put on your mirror, put on your refrigerator, put in, uh, in your car. I can be me when I'm connected to those who believe in me. I can be me when I'm connected to those who believe in me. And we want you to know this morning that we believe in you. I believe in you. Not only do we believe in you, but God believes in you. He believes in you. We're not worthy of his love, but he loves us anyway. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. You say, why do you have people bow your head? Because I want your focus to be completely not on who's on your left or who's on your right. Your focus to be between you and God. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, there's a lot of times I say I'm okay, but I'm really not. There's a lot of times that I put on a mask and I don't take it off. But deep down, I'm hurting. Deep down, I'm struggling. Deep down, I need to know that someone cares and that someone loves me. Would you just slip up your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All across this building, you know why? Because it is so common for us to pretend. And by the number of hands that went up, you should be encouraged to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. But you need to know that you can leave here different today than you came in. Have you ever had something that's, that's happened to you and you've not been able to tell anyone? Or something has happened to you and, and, you, and you've kept it inside? And it's, it's eating away at you and you know it's there, but nobody else does. And then there's that moment when, just like David said, I, I just let it all go. 
There's that moment that you say, you know what, I'm not going to, to keep this on the inside where it's tearing me up. It's making my bones turn to powder, as he said. And when you do, the relief of just being able to tell someone, of just being able to acknowledge your need, it brings life. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you raised your hand and you want someone to agree with you in prayer. Then I'm going to open up this altar and, and, and ask you to walk down, stand, kneel, whatever. And let us embrace you. Let us display that unconditional love. You won't regret it. Because in that moment, you'll feel the unconditional love of the people around you and the unconditional love of God the Father. And you can leave here completely different. Now, the enemy's telling you right now you don't want to do that. Oh, that's not necessary. And as your pastor, I'm telling you, that being able to, to physically experience the embrace of someone that says, I'm going to walk with you. It'll change your life forever. So as I pray, don't hesitate. If you want prayer, you want somebody to stand with you, just walk down to this altar and we're going to pray. Father, I come before you this morning. God, you've seen every hand that raised. God, all across this auditorium. And God, you know right now that the enemy, that his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And his goal is to keep us from that abundant life that you have promised. And Father, right now I pray that as we come before you, God, that you will see our hearts. And that you will allow us to know that you're there, that you love us, that you care for us. Father, we know that we're not worthy of your love. Father, we know that we all mess up, that we all fall short. But God, as we come into your presence today, God, allow us to know Allow us to know that there are people around us who love us. And God, that you love us. And may we leave here today different than we came in. Not wearing a mask. Not pretending that everything's okay. But walking in the freedom of knowing that you love us and that we're loved regardless In Jesus' name. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not
How many people are glad that even when we're faithless, that he's faithful? No matter what you're going through, God says you don't have to walk through it alone. I want to thank you for being here. Once again, if you're a guest, thank you so much for being here. Please stop out in the lobby and 
and uh, we've got a gift for you and we would love just to, to catch up with you for a couple of minutes. Uh, if you're a regular, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, don't forget you can uh, give at the back of the auditorium. You can do that online. Uh, stop by and get a card on your way out, an invite that you can invite someone to come with you on Easter. We love you. Don't forget life groups. Have a great, great Sunday.